Hello, everyone. I wish you a very warm welcome back to our podcast. I hope you had a lovely week and a lovely weekend because this weekend was the Eurovision Song Contest. And actually, it took place in the city where I live right now in Rotterdam. And of course, it's super exciting that Ukraine got to the fifth place. And I really love seeing all the reactions from people from all over the world, actually, and how positive they are towards the Ukrainian act. So in case you missed it, I, I recommend you would just check it out. <laughs> but anyways, we are not here to talk about Eurovision. I am Rika, and this is a podcast of Promote Ukraine. This series is called Ukraine Up to Date, and we bring out this podcast most of the time every week. And we put together the most interesting, relevant, and important topics and events about Ukraine and talk a little bit about it. So as usual, in case if you want to stay on top of things that are happening in and around Ukraine, do not worry, we got you and we're going to keep you up to date. And without further ado, let's start with the week's hot topics. So I think we have to kick off uh, this week with a topic that is basically all over the news right now, or at least I saw it everywhere. And of course, I'm talking about the recent events in Belarus. So the Belarusian opposition journalist Roman Pratasevich, which is the former editor of the main Belarusian opposition Nexta Telegram channel, and a Cuban editor of the Belarus of the Brain Telegram channel, was detained in Minsk. The flight from Athens to Vilnius with Pratasevich on board was forced to land at the airport of the capital of Belarus. The Belarusian Association of Journalists, the BAJ, informed about the detention. So he was on a Ryanair flight from Athens to Vilnius and the plane had to make this emergency landing at the Minsk airport. So now in connection with the abduction of uh, Roman Pratasevich in Minsk, the EU leaders called for additional urgent sanctions against Belarus and avoidance of overflight of Belarus by European carriers. This was announced by the spokesperson for the European Council, President Baden Leitz. The decision has yet to be agreed and approved by the Council of the European Union at the ministerial level. In particular, the European Council demands the immediate release of Raman Pratasevich and Sofia Sapega and that their freedom of movement will be guaranteed. And also the European Council calls on the International Civil Aviation Organization to urgently investigate this unprecedented and unacceptable incident. And they also invite the Council to adopt additional listings of persons and entities as soon as possible on the basis of the relevant sanctions framework. Then, moreover, the European Council calls on the Council to adopt further targeted economic sanctions as well, and calls on all EU-based carriers to avoid overflight of Belarus. And lastly, the European Council calls on the Council to adopt the necessary measures to ban overflight of EU airspace by Belarusian airlines and prevent access to EU airports of flights operated by such airlines. The international community strongly condemned the actions of President of Belarus, Lukashenko, the High Representative of the EU for Foreign Affairs and Security Policy, Joseph Borrell, stated, and I quote, this is completely unacceptable. We hold the government of Belarus responsible for the security of all passengers and the aircraft. 
All passengers must be able to continue their travel immediately. Poland's Prime Minister Mateusz Morawiecki noted, and once again I quote, Hijacking a civilian plane is an unprecedented act of state terrorism and cannot go unpunished. The NATO Secretary General Jens Stoltenberg said that this is a serious and dangerous incident that requires international investigation. Then the US Secretary of State Antony Blinken said that the United States called for an international investigation. Poland has now suspended flights over Belarus and urges the other EU member states to do so as well. Yesterday, President of Ukraine Volodymyr Zelensky also instructed the government to prepare a decision to suspend air traffic with Belarus. The heads of the foreign affairs committees of the parliaments of eight countries also called for the flights to be suspended. This statement has been published on the website of the U.S. Senate and is signed by parliamentarians of the United States, the Czech Republic, Latvia, Lithuania, Germany, Ireland, Great Britain and Poland. And now to a super interesting topic, uh, which is how Ukraine is actually perceived in Japan, Turkey and the United States. The Ukrainian Institute presented the results of the research within the framework of a comprehensive project to study the perception of Ukraine abroad. The project, for the first time actually, explores the attitude and expectations of foreign audiences towards Ukraine, its culture as well, and opportunities for cooperation, their awareness of modern culture and cultural heritage of Ukraine. Vladimir Shaiko, the director general of the Ukrainian Institute, said, and I quote, We focused on the opinions of experts, representatives of the diplomatic corps, public opinion leaders, in order to understand the perception of Ukraine abroad. The research confirmed that we, to some extent, overestimate the recognizability of Ukrainian personalities and phenomena in the world. Experts do not know about Lesya Ukrainka, Taras Shevchenko, or Ukrainian contemporary artists. Amin Jepar, uh, the first deputy minister of foreign affairs of Ukraine, explains why Japan, Turkey, and the United States were the first countries represented in the project. And to quote again, we need to move towards Asia. Japan is a wonderful country and a regional leader. These data will be a robust source of information for us to close the gap in Japan's perception of Ukraine. Turkey is a strategic partner and is interesting to us in the context of the Black Sea security and the occupation of Crimea. Contacts with this country are already established at a very high level. As for the United States, we are entering a new phase of relations and we need to monitor the sentiments inside the country. Also, according to Japar, it is necessary to develop positive characteristics and traits with which Ukraine will be associated, as well as to look for a strong narrative. Ukraine is a country that is moving towards the development despite external aggression. So first uh, to the yeah, relationship between Ukraine and Japan. According to Sergei Korsunsky, the ambassador extraordinary and plenipotentiary of Ukraine to Japan, it is not always Ukraine's fault if Ukraine is not known abroad. The Japanese people are very focused on Japan. They consider their country very self-sufficient and for the message to reach them, it must be, well, primarily in Japanese. Uh, 
Serhii Hirasimchuk, the director of the Regional Initiatives and Neighborhood Program, notes that Ukraine is often perceived through the Russian context and associated with Russia. Among the main reasons are the language, because Japanese often know only Russian and read Russian media, and the fact that experts are guided by knowledge about Ukraine inherited from the USSR and consider mainly Ukrainians' phenomena to be Russian, such as Borsh. <laughs> and since 2014, Ukraine has been known as a country that opposes Russia, which for many means that it is dangerous there. Ukraine is also associated with Chernobyl, and there is a certain empathy and understanding that such a tragedy can happen in any country after the Fukushima case. The Japanese know Ukrainian folk singers and musicians, Ukrainian designers and national clothes are familiar with the phenomenon of the Cossacks and associate them with samurai. Uh, Violeta Udovic, um, the second secretary for cultural and humanitarian cooperation of the Embassy of Ukraine in Japan, explains that Japan has had a more political interest in Ukraine from the earliest times. For its part, Ukraine has always had a more cultural research interest. That is, uh, the approaches have been different. As for ordinary Japanese, the Japanese society is very apolitical. Well, the task is to shift Japan's focus from political to cultural issues, and we must promote the image of Ukraine as an advanced state, talk about tourism, potential, food or culture. And now to the relationship between Ukraine and Turkey. Uh, Yevhenia Haber, the advisor to the Prime Minister of Ukraine, says that Turkey sees Ukraine as a trouble-free country. However, very little is known about Ukraine in Turkey. According to her, the reason is not inefficient work of the embassy, diplomatic or cultural institutions. The reason is that Ukraine was not historically independent and a full-fledged partner of Turkey in the past. Yevhenia Haber explains, and to quote her, we can talk about the untapped potential of Ukraine in terms of cultural cooperation. Ukraine is not perceived independently because relations between Ukraine and Turkey have always been built through the prism of third countries, like Russia and others. Since 2014, Ukraine and Russia have been talked about in Turkey not as fraternal peoples, but as different peoples and different countries. Compared to Russia, Ukraine is presented as a liberal, democratic country fighting for a European future and is positively perceived in terms of protecting the human rights, especially the rights of Crimean Tatars. Andrei Sibiha, the ambassador extraordinary and plenipotentiary of Ukraine to the Republic of Turkey, underlines that it has become much more of Ukraine in Turkey. Um, he also said that we should foster the right narratives and brand Ukraine correctly. We should remember that what works in Turkey will work in this region and in the Turkic world. And lastly, um, to look at Ukraine and the United States. Well, Hanna Shelest, the Director of Security Programs and Foreign Policy Council, Ukrainian PRISM, emphasizes that the United States is not monolithic and that was the complexity of the research. The political context in knowledge about Ukraine, however, dominates and political things come therefore. In recent years, the scope of knowledge about Ukraine in the context of international politics, so the war with Russia, etc., has increased. At the same time, little is known about Ukrainian culture. 
a limited number of people is aware of the existing knowledge about culture. The most well-known information is linked to the Maidan, the Haladamor, uh, the Holocaust. It is important for Americans to perceive information about Ukraine through the media and mass culture. Ukraine and its culture are most known in Washington, D.C., uh, New York, and Chicago. It was difficult for respondents to say what Ukraine is associated with. American society is very open to other cultures, so the main thing is to find the right messages that will be promoted. And um, to quote Serhii Plochi, the director of the Ukrainian Research Institute at Harvard University, we need to share our experience in combating disinformation and countering hybrid threats with the world and the United States. And Kathy Nalivaiko adds, and she's the president of the U Ukrainian Institute of America, it is extremely important to foster the image of Ukraine as a fighter and not as a victim. The content through which we can disseminate knowledge about Ukraine is movies, books, music, information products about what is happening in Ukraine. During the forum Ukraine 30 on Monday, the 24th of May, President of Ukraine Volodymyr Zelensky signed a law allowing the transfer of land outside populated localities to communal ownership. This is one of the important documents needed to launch the land market. Another land law is pending signature. So as the president said, the law number 2194, which drastically changes the land management of our state and which is called the land constitution, this is a law that deprives cabinet officials of the function of registering the right to land, which they have never even seen in their life. According to him, the signed document ultimately restores the right of communities to manage their lands. In addition, Zelensky said that the moratorium on the sale of agricultural land led to the theft of lands twice as large as the size of Crimea. And to quote Zelensky, in 2014, Russia annexed the Crimean Peninsula, which belonged to our country. During the moratorium, some entrepreneurs and politicians stole from the state lands, which were almost as large as two Crimean peninsulas. Of course, we will do everything to return both. And as a reminder, the moratorium on the sale of agricultural land, except for state-owned land, will be lifted in Ukraine from July 2021. Citizens of Ukraine territorial communities and the state may acquire the right of ownership of agricultural land plots. An interesting Euro-Atlantic expert and civil society initiative was born in Ukraine. A regular NATO summit will take place in Brussels in June, and well, some optimists expect Ukraine to be granted MAP, so the alliance's membership action plan. President Zelensky has repeatedly stressed that this would be a real signal for Russia as the shortest way to end the war in Donbass that lies through NATO. However, realists emphasize that Ukraine should not hold out hope for such gifts. On the one hand, MAP does not contain any specific time requirements. A country can stay in the MAP status for years. For example, it took North Macedonia 12 years to become a full-fledged member. On the other hand, it is a direct promise of future accession to the alliance, and some NATO members consider it very difficult, almost impossible, to make such a promise to the present-day Ukraine and its complicated condition. 
it would seem that the problem is solved by the status of a NATO-enhanced opportunities partner, which Ukraine already has. If to mention that Sweden, Australia and Finland have such a status, we could even be proud of it. However, close ties with the alliance within the framework of enhanced partnership does not provide additional incentives to reform the country. Sweden does not need such reforms, unlike Ukraine's urgent needs. Several Ukrainian experts and non-governmental organizations and media outlets have united around an initiative that can specify and accelerate Ukraine's Euro-Atlantic prospects. These are Evropeiska Pravda, New Europe Center, Anti-Corruption Action Center, National Interest Advocacy Network, the ANTS, and the Center for Global Studies, Strategy XXI. The idea is to use the common interest of the Ukrainian civil society and Western partners in qualitative changes in Ukraine, not linking them directly with the country's future NATO membership, though actually bringing it closer. It is proposed to take the Visa Liberalization Action Plan, the VLAP, as an example, which encouraged serious changes in Ukraine in 2015 and 2016. In particular, thanks to the plan, anti-corruption bodies were established and a system of electronic asset declarations of politicians, judges and officials was launched. The prize was granting Ukraine the visa-free regime with the EU. Yet, in order to obtain it, the country had to carry out a number of reforms, the implementation of which was constantly monitored by European agencies. In turn, the civil society closely followed the actions of the authorities, exerting a grassroots pressure. It would be appropriate to create a similar tool for change now. The authors call it the plan to achieve Ukraine's compatibility with NATO. Unlike MAP, it would not lead to membership automatically, and a separate decision could be made later if all the concerns within the alliance disappear by the time the conditions are met. More importantly, such a plan will outline the clear and consistent steps that will be expected of Ukraine in NATO, and its implementation will be subject to constant monitoring by the Alliance and Ukraine's civil society. The result will be a significant qualitative improvement of government agencies and norms to reach modern European standards of law and democracy, and this is the most important thing. Undoubtedly, the adoption of this quite unusual proposal and further work on it require the joint efforts by both the Ukrainian authorities and NATO member states. For politicians and bureaucrats, this some way means the need to go out of the comfort zone as it does not fit into the established formats and algorithms. But if the current approaches do not bring the country closer to the desired result, perhaps it is really worth listening to the civil society and expert community of Ukraine. The very appearance of such an initiative testifies to the readiness of the Ukrainian civil society, its advanced part, not only to move in the European direction, but also lead the way and, if necessary, make the authorities take real steps and not to imitate them by force of habit. And this, by the way, is a convincing evidence of that Ukraine's place is in Europe, where not the government is well, somewhat the only European as Pushkin once said about the Tsarist government of Russia, but actually the citizens. 
At its meeting on Friday, the 21st of May, the Parliament of Ukraine approved an appeal to the United States of America with a request to impose sanctions on the participants on the Nord Stream 2 project. To quote the appeal, the Verkhovna Rada of Ukraine calls on the House of Representatives and the Senate of the 117th United States Congress to use all available tools foreseen by U.S. law to completely and irreversibly stop the construction of the Nord Stream 2 pipeline by imposing blocking sanctions on all participants in this Russian geopolitical project, in particular Nord Stream AG. The parliamentarians also expressed concern that the additional sanctions proposed by the U.S. Department of State in the report to the Congress did not provide for measures against the key company participant in Nord Stream 2 project, the Nord Stream AG. MPs note that the Nord Stream 2 geopolitical project is another attempt by the Russian Federation to use energy as an instrument of hybrid warfare, which directly threatens the energy security of both Ukraine and Europe. In addition, Ukrainian lawmakers underscore that domestic and international courts are considering several cases of involvement of Russian officials in the organization of terrorist acts, crimes against humanity and war crimes in Ukraine. In particular, the cases concern the facts of illegal seizure of oil and gas companies in the Ukrainian territories occupied by Russia, as well as energy supplies to illegal armed formation and terrorist organizations. The appeal emphasizes that the concentration of Russian pipelines in the Baltic Sea may give Russia a reason to actively protect Nord Stream 2, starting with formal procedures for controlling the movement of ships in the Baltic Sea and then, as in the case of Ukraine, exhibiting more aggressive behavior, blockade of ships or influence on trade in the region. Meanwhile, Die Welt claims that U.S. President Joe Biden continues to somewhat tighten the screws in the dispute over Russia's Nord Stream 2 gas pipeline, although it seems that he has switched to a conciliatory tone. So I hope you enjoyed this episode of this podcast. Uh, I hope to see you next week. And as usual, make sure to share your thoughts with us. And we would really like to hear some feedback of you so we know what we can improve for you. And of course, if you want to have even more information on Ukraine-EU-Russia relations and read other articles, you can visit promoteukraine.org. Org. Also, make sure to follow us on social media where we have a lot more interesting information as well. You can find us everywhere under the name Promote Ukraine. But for now, I wish you a wonderful week and I hope to see you next week with some fresh and new information.